Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Large Almond Latte is brought to you by Love Maxi Baby. Handmade baby clothes and accessories from the Mornington Peninsula. Welcome back to another episode of Large Almond Latte. This week, I have been wildly busy because I've been at the point for so long where I can occupy a whole day with a single activity. Now that we can see people, I have been thrown into disarray. I think I need to bring out the old Kiki K diary. Like Monday, I would wash clothes, Tuesday, dry clothes, Wednesday, fold clothes, and maybe put them away if I have time. Now on Thursday, I have to see all of my four friends and then do the groceries on Friday. I am absolutely pooped just thinking about it. Like, how do I even have the time to care for a baby, write and produce a podcast and keep so active on Netflix and social media between all of this? I just don't know how I do it. Today on the podcast, we talk about all the things we did that we thought everyone else did too, until we realized they didn't. Then in light of the wild amount of dum-dums who believe 5G causes coronavirus, we discuss the OG conspiracy theories. Plus, I leave you with a review of This Is Going To Hurt. Last week, I was sloughing on the couch, as I do for approximately 27 hours a day, when my boyfriend read me this old story from Reddit. And feel free to fast forward about two minutes if bodily functions is not your preferred topic of conversation. But personally, I feel it's the topic that doesn't discriminate. So here we go. This guy, let's call him Bob. His family... If they poop big. Maybe it's diet or genetics, but it wasn't uncommon growing up for anyone in his family to lay down a mega poopy that was just simply too big to flush. So in his bathroom, his family had the standard toilet kit, a plunger, a toilet brush, and a poop knife. Yes, a poop knife. A rusty old knife that hung on a nail I guess, to chop up the firewood so it would fit in the fire. Like regular people would call out, hey, can you bring me some toilet paper? It wasn't uncommon for Bob's family if for someone to call out, hey, can you bring me the poop knife? So one day when Bob was a little bit older, he was at his friend's house with a few other friends. And I assume after a large McDonald's meal and a giant coffee, he yells down the hall to his friend, can you get me the poop knife? My what? Your poop knife. What the fuck is a poop knife? So Bob thinks maybe he just calls it something different. So he explains to his friend what he's after and what he needs it for. His friend is dying of laughter. Then the music stops and the rest of the friends start laughing. They confirm to Bob none of them have poop knives. It is not a thing. Mortified, Bob goes home and tells his wife that his friends don't have poop knives. His wife was 
equally horrified. It turns out she'd been using the rusty old knife hanging in their utility closet to open her online purchases and also had no idea what a proof knife was. Bob then confirmed she now has her own utility knife. So off the back of this story, I asked you fans in the Facebook group Large Almond Latte, what is your poop knife story? What's something that you thought was totally regular, only to have your world shook at its very foundations when you realized it in fact was not? And I can report that none of your families are as cooked as Bob's. The common thread through your poop knife stories is is aside from being not embarrassing at all, actually, is that they stem from cultural experiences. They're all things you did growing up when you were inside the bubble of the four walls of your house, essentially. And only when you strayed outside these cultural bubbles did you realize that it wasn't that what you were doing wasn't normal. It's just that there were alternative approaches. Strong white jeans. They do not include a single strand of culinary DNA, which I have said before and I will say again, but that doesn't mean that we don't eat. So how did we go about it? Well, Fan Brittany reminded me of something I had tucked away so deep in the corner of my mind in the same place where I keep the memories of using sun in for the first time. We did not cook with salt, ever. And like Fan Brittany also said, boy, was it a game changer. It's like you taste foods again for the very first time, only (laughs) how they're meant to taste. Like I don't think, maybe till I was about 20, I thought that salt was exclusive for takeaway chips. I thought it was super weird when like my friends would put it on chicken. I'd be like, what? And like, I didn't even get salt on my McCain oven baked chips at home. When I went on my first overseas trip, I bought my parents back these little kitsch salt and pepper shakers. And I don't think they got used because they actually didn't have salt and pepper in their house. A spice rack wasn't even in my vocabulary until I moved out of home. Literally, I'd only ever heard of oregano because I was in an exclusive relationship with margarita pizza. But basil or cumin, you could have told me that they were brands of ovens and I would have believed you because why would I know about oven brands when we grew up with our food being cooked in the microwave? Microwave. As Fan Sarah said, microwave cooking was good for mince. You could make a nice spag bowl, vegetables, and obviously nothing wild like a bok choy. We're talking frozen broccoli and cauliflower here. You could also cook your breakfast in the microwave. It's good for bacon and scrambled eggs. Honestly, there's no need for any other cooking utensils. To be fair, I think that microwave cooking was like a big deal in the 80s because I I feel like I've definitely seen some microwave cooking cookbooks. Now it makes me... Ugh. And when people cook at work using the microwave, like, oh, I cannot. It's disgusting because I'm cultured now. But yeah, so you would like have your microwave meal and then you would have a side salad to go with it, which was a... <laughs> slice of iceberg lettuce, a slice of tomato, a slice of cheese, and some tinned beetroot. Obviously no dressing. What are you crazy? Okay, maybe some craft mayonnaise if you're lucky. But honestly, who says Australia has no culture? Because that is it right there. While we were eating our scrambled eggs from the microwave, Eileen was eating the dream. 
Bacon and eggs cooked on a fry pan, pancakes, steak, tacos, Doritos, bickies, chalk milk. She could watch the Cartoon Network all day long, go to the best restaurants, see the best new musicals. Honestly, Eileen sounds like your friend whose house you would go to, not because you really liked them, but because they had the best foods and did all the best stuff. You you would really like her. She's actually the best. But Eileen wasn't growing up in the West living this best West life. She was growing up in Malaysia and thought this was totally normal until she met her husband and he pointed out that none of these things are very Asian at all. But instead of feeling like it wasn't normal the way she grew up, Eileen now acknowledges she was just so lucky to actually experience both local and international cultures. Fan Jess also grew up in an Asian household and thought a dishwasher was a drying rack and everyone took their shoes off at the front door until she moved to Melbourne and realised that a dishwasher means your rent is like $200 more expensive a week because it is the most prized possession in the house and people don't take their shoes off at the front door because they're dirty pigs. I cannot with the dishwasher. It's literally like having a million dollars staring at you every day and not spending it. I froth my dishwasher. The shoes though, I'm totally on board with. It should be a universal law to take your shoes off at the front door. It makes me feel physically sick when people put their shoes on a couch. And Jess and I discussed the absolute biggest domestic abomination is when someone puts their shoes on their bed. It's revolting. Gag reflex. Like into all the boys I've loved before when Lara Jean puts her feet on the bed with her shoes on. But Jess was like, she's Asian. She should know better. It's terrible. Yulia and Polina both grew up in Russia where superstitions are a little bit more serious than simply walking under a ladder and getting seven years bad luck. They're literally inseparable from everyday life. They're social etiquettes and they are wild. Here are a few. If you marry on a leap year, you'll be a widow, which like, what does the wedding industry do every leap year? That would be stressful. If you leave the house and forget something, it's a bad omen. You have to come back and look in the mirror. This is one that I feel we are all guilty of every time we go for brunch. If you eat with your keys on the table, someone will die. When you finish a bottle of vodka... The empty bottle needs to be laid to rest. Yes, Polina used those words because you got to respect the vodka under the table. You can't just chuck it in the recycling bin. I love that there is one for vodka. So Julius said that in Moscow and St. Petersburg, everyone believes this. So you kind of just follow along like, yeah, you're a sheep. But when she was around 18, she was like, hang on a second. And she said she switched her brain on and realized just maybe you could forget your sunnies when you leave the house and there would be no consequences. So lucky for you guys and semi-disappointingly for me, you have no poop knife stories, but our little community is totally cultured. Whoever invented itty-bitty baby bibs was having a laugh because babies love mess more than they love demanding a feed just as you've cooked a nice delicious dinner for yourself. Using an itty-bitty baby bib is like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Absolutely useless. That's why Catherine gave birth to Love Maxi Baby. She wanted bibs that were big enough to actually be effective. So she created a range of big bibs with, this is key, super absorbent towel backing. 
Love Maxi Baby also makes teething rings, harem pants, rompers, headbands, and wet bags. My favorite part is that you can create your own mix and match cute as a button little sets, and they're all made to order. There's no basic patterns you find in everyday shops. They're all colorful and unique. So when you enter your baby in a baby modeling competition, they really do stand out from the crowd. As a newly frugal person, I hate spending lots of money on baby things that will either get destroyed or grown out of in a week. So I love that not only am I supporting a small business in these tough times, but for handmade quality goods, it's a really good price point. You can order Love Maxi Baby through Insta at love.maxi.baby or Facebook at love.maxi.baby. You can have your product delivered or you can arrange for pickup on the Mornington Peninsula. Did you know that coronavirus was actually created in a Chinese lab as a form of chemical warfare against America and it's transmitted through the air through 5G towers? I saw that in a YouTube video, but you can cure it. You just have to spend $15,000 on an air humidifier. And if you don't have that kind of money, just go out in the sun because the sun will burn the virus too. But also don't get vaccinated because that will give you autism. Jenny McCarthy told me that. Ugh, conspiracy theories are for losers. And I'm not being mean. That's a direct quote from a political scientist, Joseph Osinski, who specializes in the study of conspiracy theories. So you can quote that in your next thesis. But okay, conspiracy theories aren't all bad. They promote critical analysis, open-mindedness, and sometimes, like in the case of the Secret Service murdering JFK and not Lee Harvey Oswald, they actually turn out to be 100% true. But like anything, there's a spectrum from the legitimately harmful territory of Pete Evans to the unharmful, alarmingly large amount of Americans, 66 million to be precise, that believe in Roswell. And then there's the, who cares if it's true, it's quality entertainment, and those are the conspiracy theories we'll be discussing today. You might think that the world is run by politicians, but you'd be wrong. Well, like half wrong, because they might be politicians, they're just not human, they're lizard people. This absolute cooker or new age philosopher, as he likes to be referred to, David Icke, popularized, and let's use that term popularized loosely. It's popular because it's so wild. He popularized this theory that humans in costumes rule the world. He has written 20 books about it. And since there are like 350,000 words, it must be jammed packed with evidence and not theory. He talks of a predatory reptilian race that has enslaved humanity. They feed off the energy of children and conduct satanic rituals where they drink the blood of children. Now, apparently, Stanley Kubrick was one of these lizard people and he tried to expose them in his movie Eyes Wide Shut. You know, the like sex orgy one with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise? He showed one of these satanic rituals. 20 minutes of the movie where they showed the ritual got cut and they only showed a mild version. Then he died. Coincidence? I don't think so. All of the most global players in the world are lizards. Well, coincidentally, more so the white ones because this is a white man's theory and somehow I just feel that people that believe and created this theory aren't just super globally aware. We're talking Queen Elizabeth, Obama, George W. Bush, Bill and Hillary, Katy Perry and Justin Bieber are all among the shape-shifting lizard elite ruling us. And of course, the king and queen of the Illuminati, Jay-Z and Beyonce. Because unsurprisingly, the lizard people are also behind the Freemasons and Illuminati. Duh. 4% of Americans believe that, which 
I don't know, explains a lot, but also feels like way too many. There are literally hundreds of websites. It is an absolute black hole on this. And you can see where celebrities have been caught like mid-movement. So obviously like their skin is moving, but it looks like lizard scales. Now, I do not want to alarm you at all, but there is a lizard apocalypse coming, which probably explains the amount of doomsday preppers in the world. So I have put together a list of signs of the lizard elite so you can best be prepared to identify our alien overlords. First one, green, hazel or blue eyes. Good, that really narrows it down. True red or redding hair. Now, I know I should be really worried since I live with a redhead, but since he's currently on the doll and only ruling his Xbox controller, I feel like I'm probably safe. Low blood pressure, unexplained scars, a sense of not belonging to the human race, love of space and aliens, ESP, alien contacts. I don't know. I think if you know someone that's showing some of those last few signs, regardless of their genus, you just, I just don't think you'd want to be around them. So the probability of this being true, like maybe 0.5 out of 10. You guys, you know I'm not Beyonce's biggest fan, so it's really no shock to me that not only is she a lizard, but she's also a dirty liar. Apparently, Beyonce is actually 46 and not 38 as she claims to be. But what I'm interested to know is, was she born a lizard 46 years ago or a human? Apparently, there's a birth certificate from the Department of Health in Texas that supposedly shows that her birth year is 1974. Then, Gabrielle Union, you know from Bring It On, she says she's been friends with Bay since they were teens and Gabrielle is 48. Yes, I know. I think that maybe she's the one lying about her age because she looks 25. Unsurprisingly, I could not find a copy of said birth certificate anywhere on the interwebs, but I did find a TMZ article, and since they are the first to break many an important news story, such as Bruce Jenner transitioning, it's probably true. Also, a rando Columbia Records employee said he saw her driver's license this one time, so... Anyway, because of this, some people believe that Solange is actually Bay's daughter and Tina is her sister. Oh my God. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but there is absolutely no facts whatsoever to support this one. But I don't know, since she is a lizard overlord, maybe it is true. Like, maybe a two out of ten chance. Now, this one really upsets me because I love Khloe Kardashian in her many various forms. But a lot of people think that Khloe Kardashian is OJ Simpson's daughter. The Kardashians were friends with the Simpsons before OJ did or didn't kill his wife. Khloe said Dad Robert represented OJ in the trial, while Chris sat on the other side of the courtroom with Nicole the wife's family. Controversy. In a 2009 episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Chloe genuinely asked Chris if she's adopted because she's like, um, I don't look like any of my siblings. Maybe just because she hadn't had as much surgery as they had yet. I don't know. Then in 2012, Chris is like, you know what, Chloe, get a DNA test to prove Robert is your dad. And then Chloe responds with this classic Chloe gem. Seriously, my dad is Robert Kardashian. My other dad is Bruce Jenner. If you fucked other people during your marriage, go and worry. So good. So the jury's still out on this one, but well, the resemblance between Chloe and OJ, well, Chloe pre-2012 and OJ is kind of uncanny, but I genuinely hope Robert is her dad because OJ is kind of a bad guy, but then I guess it would explain her choices in men. But 
it's clear that Chloe really adored Robert in the anniversary episodes of Robert's death. It's devastating to watch. I've, I really want this to be zero out of 10. I just, I just feel like it's higher, unfortunately. It's honestly probably like 50-50. Speaking of children born out of wedlock, apparently Prince Harry isn't Prince Charles's son. Or maybe the British tabloids just needed something to talk about because they're worse than a paper cut and they always need to have a handful of people in the royal family that help them sell trashy stories. Currently it's Megan, it's been Fergie, and before that it was Diana. But this part is actually true. In the most British scandal possible, Princess Diana had an affair with her horse riding instructor, James Hewitt. So yeah, that part was actually confirmed. Imagine all the places they banged. Harry was probably conceived in the stables. Mm. As it turns out, this guy's also a ranger. So, ooh, he must be a lizard too. So yeah, of course the tabloids went wild with the insinuation that he must be Harry's daddy. But yeah, he's got red hair. It's kind of like saying all blondes look alike. And really, they don't. And the older Harry gets, the more his hairline really aligns with Williams and Charles. Like, all three of them are screaming for a few feathers. But the royals could literally cover up anything. So there's always a tiny chance it could be true. Like, maybe three out of ten. Speaking of royal conspiracies, apparently the Queen also orchestrated Princess Diana's death because she was pregnant with Dodie's baby and that was just too much because he was a Muslim. It's said that MI6 actually killed her and then they staged it to look like a crash. The first ep of season five of Scandal gives a nod to this. It's a great ep and Shonda can never be wrong. So I don't know. It sounds really far-fetched, but it's also supported by Dodi Fayed's mum. So I don't know, maybe like a four out of 10. This one is a quickie bit of goodie. Some antique dealer listed a photo on eBay taken in 1870 and he is adamant the man in the photo is Nicolas Cage. And obviously, in order for him to still be alive, he must be a vampire. I don't think this theory would have any value if it wasn't Nicolas Cage. But true or not, I don't know, maybe two out of 10. I am a big believer in questioning everything. It's critical analysis. It's how you create your own opinion. But if you're going to create a persuasive argument and try and sell it to the world, there's one thing it really needs, and that is substantiation. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but they're not entitled to their own facts. Unfortunately, it feels like more and more people in this world are making up their own facts. And with the power of globalization and social media, people like Pete Evans do get to spread their bullshit far and wide. And it becomes a genuine threat to humanity and a real problem. And I think the bottom line is if you're being sold an argument or a conspiracy theory, think about whether it would hold up in a court of law if that YouTube video would be sufficient evidence to prove that 5G causes coronavirus. No, it wouldn't. So it's probably not true. That being said, stupid people provide us with entertainment. So I think with the ones that we've just discussed, as long as they're not doing any harm, they can just give us a bit of a giggle. This is going to hurt is a series of diary entries from a junior doctor working in the NHS in the early noughties, Adam Kay. Throughout the entries, the book tracks his career as a junior doctor while highlighting the gross neglect and mistreatment of doctors in the NHS, 
all infused with a significant amount of wheat. I've never personally experienced the NHS, but it sounds completely fucked and I never want to. Like, if it's a game of would you rather be treated by the NHS or be treated at Seattle Grace Hospital, where you probably have like a one in three chance of survival because everyone dies in Grace Anatomy, I don't know, I probably still want to go to Seattle Grace. Adam talks of not being able to take sick days, not being able to go on holidays to weddings because he can't get his shift covered. He loses friends, sleep, and eventually he loses his girlfriend all for six pounds an hour. This sounds a lot like my first job, but we actually made it practice to calm ourselves by saying, it's okay, we're not saving lives. And that fresh hell only lasted two years, not seven. So I can't imagine the pain that Adam was going through. But it's the comedy that really makes this book. I mean, who has ever got tired of hearing stories about people shoving sauce bottles up their ass and saying they accidentally sat on it? Not I. He tells stories of absolutely loose units, like the couple that named their baby Satan, S-A-Y-T-O-N, or the couple that was so rude while he was giving the wife a Caesar, he cut her a little bit longer so when he stitched her up, he accidentally maimed her dolphin tattoo. Or the incompetence of the doctors, like the one who was taking a patient's heart rate and they were all 60 beats per minute. And he realized that the doctor was just holding the pulse and then counting the number of seconds in a minute. Or the midwife who informed him that the patient's cervix wasn't dilating past one centimeter, only for him to realize she was checking the dilation of the patient's asshole. And it goes on. I read this book the way you'd keep a mistress. It was never my main squeeze, but it was always there for a good time because there's not really a beginning, a middle and an end with a strong climax. You could easily put it down and pick it up again a few weeks later and it'll still be there for you. What a doll. So I give this like probably a four lattes out of five. And now it is time for your life changer. The King of Hearts is the only king without a moustache. Thanks for listening to La Jarman Latte. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A nice review would also tickle our hearts. Make sure you join the low involvement discussion by following us on Insta at La Jarman Latte Media and joining the Facebook group at La Jarman Latte. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.